The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. All right, people, break out your notebooks and pencils and slide rules. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio with true geeks. And by the way, I'm Dee Snyder, and I'm a geek too. And welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Eddie Munson. <laughs> Uh, we wait i'm sorry i'm yeah, justin lemmy yeah justin we've got to talk about the elephant in the room for anybody that's checking out the photo uh or the video uh cast of the show you went all out i did yeah i'm uh, so let me give you a backstory so right. if you're not watching the replay of this if you're just listening on the radio i am currently dressed <laughs> head to toe like eddie munson from stranger things <laughs> You know, the guitar hero at the end where he plays Metallica's Master of Puppets, right? No, wait, I didn't even, see, I haven't seen the movie yet, so don't, don't, or the show yet. The movie, don't, the yeah, show. I know, the show, don't ruin well, it for the me. Last, the last episode is as long as the movie. Yeah, that's right. Well, pretty much, yeah, exactly, yeah, it's like two and a half hours. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Eddie Munson, and that's the fan favorite of this season's Stranger Things, bar none. So... My wife and the kid and I were sitting here thinking, like, what do we want to be for Halloween? Because Misa always wants to do a themed Halloween. We're always characters from the same movie or same TV show. And I'm like, no. Eric was like, no, I want to be a Splatoon character from Nintendo. You know, (laughs) and I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to be that. Neither does Misa. So we said, okay, fine. Let's be whatever influenced us the most this year. Mm. And Eric was like, Splatoon. I'm like, okay, well, that's what you want to be. Then Mies, uh, I said, I want to be Eddie Munson from Stranger Things because I absolutely loved his performance in the show. And he's such a great actor. So I wanted to be Eddie Munson. Uh, and then Misa decided, well, what's what influenced me? She's like Top Gun. So she's actually going to be a Top Gun pilot. So she got the, the, the flight suit and got the aviators, the Top Gun hat. She's going to be a Top Gun pilot. I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of that this Halloween season. A lot of Top Gun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of Eddie Munson, too. Now, by the time this show airs, I have finally seen Top Gun Maverick because it was made available for video on demand uh, this past, oh, this my past God. week. Yeah. You're going to watch it in your house, dude? I'm, I'm, that's, my, that's my option. I got to watch it. No, I want to see it. it's not. Dude, go to the theater. You're, okay. <laughs> watching, okay. Watching Top Gun Maverick in your home. Versus watching a theater is like is like looking at a picture of McDonald's double quarter pounder with cheese and you can't have it. Well, that how's it going to feel when I know it's there and I want to see the movie really bad? Oh, you want to see it and you're going to see it, but you're not going to feel it. You're not going to hear it. It was made <laughs> for surround sound. It was made for Dolby Cinema. Now wait a minute. Now you guys both have home theaters. Wouldn't you be satisfied watching it there? Nope. Sean? Yes. Yeah. See, Sean's Sean's oh, got the oh, setup. Mr. Moneybag over here with the <laughs> Dolby Cinema setup. Somebody who just had a kid and hasn't had to spend any money on it yet. Yeah, that'll change. <laughs> now, what, what kind of sound system do you have in that, Sean? <clears throat> I've got a, uh, a Onkyo receiver. Those are good. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then it's running, you know, two satellites up front. The, the the center sub and then the, the center this, speaker and then two two satellites so you, in the rear. You're well. just doing you're just doing five point one. Five one, yeah. I'm not doing anything. I'm yeah. not doing ammo. So, I'm not doing anything. So so Maverick Maverick Top Gun Maverick was designed to be twenty three point one. Twenty three point three. Wow. There's speakers all the way around you, three hundred and sixty degrees, with like three subwoofers in the front. 
you got to see it in the theater because you can feel it. Right. Like literally, I mean, feel I could sit on a speaker, I guess. Like, Maybe when, that would be. Well, you could do, yeah, yeah, sure. Things, that would work. When they're, when, yeah, yeah. when they're yanking the stick around, like you feel like you're getting sucked into your seat. Sure, you can watch at home, but you're not going to get the experience, Andy. I kind of thought uh, I would feel the same way about Elvis, and Elvis went on video on demand uh, a couple weeks ago. So I decided, you know, I really want to see this. I've heard good things about it. Everybody I know, and I'm, I wasn't the biggest Elvis fan in the world. I mean, I like his music, but I didn't follow him. And so I went ahead and I did that. And that's what they said. They said the sound in the movie Elvis is really good. I just cranked on my regular, you know, 5.1 and I enjoyed it. And, and so honestly, you've got 5.1. Yeah. And, but okay. the, the performances in it, it was, was what stood out for me. So I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I really heard that it. Elvis is a good movie. It is. It is. I haven't seen it yet. Buzz but, but Lerman honestly, knows how to make a movie. Uh, there is so much tech to talk about. Uh, first off, I think we should get to the real serious stuff. If you are a, an iPhone user this past, uh, what, just last week, it would be that, um, Apple, well, first Google went ahead and did another exploit update where, you know, you had to update your browser and they said it was urgent and then surprising. Um, and we don't get these too often out of Apple. They went ahead and issued what they called an urgent update due to an exploit they found. And it wasn't just the iPhones. It was Macs, it was tablets, pretty much anything running Mac OS. It was it was the oh it was the iOS. It was anything running fifteen point six. Um, mm. there were two exploits that were find that were found that weren't just like, you know, somebody called up a bug report and said, Hey, I found this exploit. They were actively being used. Um, that gave um, full exploit capabilities of your phone or your I you know, your anything running fifteen point six. iPad, Mac phone right any of that wow so they released they released a uh, update 15 15.6.1 um and it put it should have pushed automatically to your phone unless you have it turned off to not do automatic updates but i would highly recommend well, updating. even if you have yeah. it turned off wouldn't an emergency update override that i don't know yeah i, I don't i have mine set to automatic updates so i don't know the answer to that as soon as i got the word I, I went ahead and i went ahead and ran the patch just just to be safe and so and it wasn't showing up as recommended. Yeah, I mean, it was mentioned about a week ago and the university actually put out an, an update, uh, an alert saying if any, we had to update all of our Macs that are on running the current version of the OS to that version, right? To that 15.6.1. So hmm. uh, it was big enough for the university to put out a cybersecurity alert. I got Android 13. Do you have That's any updates with that? Do they still name them after like cookies and stuff? They name everything after a treat, but I don't know what actually, it's interesting. I don't know what Android 13's name is. Now, which uh, you're running the S22, right? No, I'm running the Pixel. Uh, oh, Pixel. That's um, right. Pixel 6 Pro. Now, uh, would you look at the S22 as, a, as an option? Mm, no, no, you're gonna stick with. You're, Pixel? Pre you're pretty. You're pretty set, sold on the Pixel phone. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had the Pixel uh, Four, the Pixel Four S, Pixel Five, and now Pixel Six Pro. No, the hard thing is, is uh, some tech journalists have actually been saying that really, if you suddenly have to buy a phone, this is the worst time to have to buy a brand new smartphone because really? well, with Google now having its Z Fold and Z Flip, and I looked at the Z Fold the other day, it's it's impressive. I mean, it is really a beautiful looking device. I don't know, you know, when it's folded out in, it's a, like a big, it's almost like a tablet and mm -hmm. you know, then you, you close it up and then you could turn it and you've got your screen just like a regular smartphone. So if you need more, you know, real estate, when it comes to video, you could just open it up and you've got this 
almost like tablet-like feature on it. Uh, the pricing, though, is what scares me. Uh, but you've got that. And now you have Apple announcing it's September, I believe, 7th is when they're planning to do the next big Apple event where they'll be introducing the iPhone, what they say is going to be the 14. So and you, iOS 16. Yeah. So if you want to buy a new device right now, now is not a good time. Right, right I, now, because I there's going to be new innovation. That. I no, would you, argue you, that. you can't buy it now. You got to wait because yeah. it's it's not out yet. So they haven't dropped the prices of anything. So yeah, now if after you want, if you want if you want that day one price drop, you're going to get you know a lot of carriers like Verizon and those types of things will drop their prices right after the release or offer a trade in, right? Trade well, in your twelve for the fourteen or trade in. You're 13 for the 14 because they're still offering I, really good deals on phones. My coworker just traded in his 10X and they gave him 250 bucks for it. They're still getting really good deals on old iPhones that who knows what they're doing with them. But right, it's just it's it benefits them to get old iPhones out of the just recycle them and get people into new phones. I don't know. Well, I have a hard time oh, giving up well, my phones. I would argue this point that you're talking about because okay. right now, especially with Android, I mean, Google just discounted the price of the 6 Pro from 899 down to 299. Well, that's pretty good. I know that they're coming out with a 7 and a 7 Pro here in about a month, but the 6 Pro, the 6 and the 6 Pro are still very good phones. Yeah, but so but you're going you to be like to not this is the worst time to buy. I would yeah. say it's the best time to buy. No, I I I would disagree because here's what's going to happen. You're going to start seeing the Android devices from, you know, Samsung and and Google more in the wild. They're going to cut the price down of the previous models. So, like, that's say what Google you, just did. So, yeah, but we'll see, Google's doing that now. For an iPhone user, you're going to pretty much have to wait till after September seventh because you're going to see prices come down on previous models. But if you're stuck buying one and you're stuck in that, you know, that iOS interface, the, right now is not a good time. You know, and that's maybe why you're, you you're switch seeing to Android. <laughs> Jeez, always a always a reason hey, to upgrade. Come on, you walked into that one. <laughs> yeah. I guess they did. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, there's a lot of people that use iPhones, and yeah, maybe that's not a good time for them, but Android is much better. You know what I learned? You know who was one of the first celebrities, or actually first people, to own an analog car phone, an actual phone that was in his vehicle? Donald Trump? No. Elvis Presley. Seriously? Elvis loved technology. So I did a little really? research after I saw the movie, and apparently he was such a big fan of technology that he got an analog phone Put into his car back then it was all done a different way and i don't know if it's done with radio you know tubes was, we're talking 70 what 76 77 they didn't have them back then they had analog they must they they must have had a way to do it did just they think have about a it. guy with like a really super long wire of cable just kind of like wheel it out no it would have been it would have been done it would have been wow. done through radio towers so you obviously you probably didn't get the best military equipment. Yeah, I mean you probably didn't get the best there, but that's how it would have uh, how it would have happened. That's and, crazy. I didn't. Wow, I never thought. Well, think about, about it. Dan Tana in the show Vegas had a car phone. I mean, we're I, talking at the beginning of it all. All right, so Sean's got some. Ni info. Ni Nineteen fifty-six, the first fully automatic mobile phone system launched in Sweden by Ericsson Mobile. Each handset was over ninety pounds. That's pictured above. I don't see a picture. <laughs> oh, whoa. 90 pounds. Yeah. Great. And then uh, 1965, uh, a smaller version was launched, 20 pounds. Right. Thanks to the use of transistors. 
And then let's see. Uh, the first commercial cell phone network was launched in Finland in 1971. It was called Zero G. 1973, AT&T Bell Labs used the first mobile phone in New York City. Yep, I remember that. 78, and- first trial commercial cellular network in Chicago. Wow. 1982, Nokia introduces their first cell phone, the analog Mobria Senator. Oh, analog. Right. Yeah. Okay. Used uh, frequencies in the 800, 824 to 894 megahertz. Amazing. 1990, first digital network, the digital AMPS network, and then GSM. Given us the whole history there. That was that was the first. <laughs> my first cell phone ran GSM. Yeah, that mine too. 1991, that is when it was came out. Do you remember who yep. the manufacturer of the phone you had? Probably Nokia. Nokia. Mine, mine was too. Mine was Nokia, yeah, Nokia. GSM. Yep. I bought a car back in the 90s that had a phone in it. Not enough service because it was just uh, like too expensive, right? But I remember when I was driving back from New Orleans, I went for what they called the morning show boot camp. And I was driving back from New Orleans. And what year was this again? This would have been, it would have been in the 90s, maybe 93, 94, somewhere around there. Okay. And I remember uh, picking up the phone and finding I could reach an operator and I could make a collect call with that operator. That was a big mistake. Because I think our bill ended up being, because of the connection and everything else, it was close to a grand just for the calls that I made. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's like when I first got my cell phone, I had to be limited to nights and weekends. Yep. Because after 7 p.m., texting yep. became free. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. So my, my parents I remember, were I remember like, sitting there waiting care. for 7 Don't p.m. to hit. Don't text your friends. Text your friends after 7. I get like 6.59. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. 7 o'clock. And all of a sudden. Bing, 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 bing. All the text messages start going off. All right, I want to I want to talk talk to you guys a little bit about password management. Um, and we've talked about it before on the show, but uh, I it finally happened to me. I uh, I've been using Google as my password manager. So basically, when I go to uh, I can pull up a website if I need to connect to something. Uh, it's in my Google passwords. Whenever I create a new username or you new password, it's saved automatically. And about a week ago, I went to log in and it wouldn't, I'm like, my password's not there. Okay. Uh So I reset. Now I do have a master list that I keep, you know, secured on a computer. And I, I, I that's not good, dude. On a computer with a password. Still. With a major password, like a a hex password. So yeah, I'm safe there. Anyway, so uh, I'm. I'm trying to, to log in. And then, so I go into Google under, under passwords and I look and I had 200 and something passwords that were saved in there. It was down to 12. That means they're all gone. And, um, yeah. So, uh, I basically was like, wow. So I'm going to have to go through my master list and make sure which ones work, which ones don't reset the ones that don't. Uh, and, but I'm trying to decide now, so I have a Norton account. I have a, a Symantec antivirus account, which you know protects the the home and the whole bit. And part of that is a password manager from Norton, and you can, it comes with the account. And I'm trying to decide: is that the way to go, or is One Pass probably a better solution? You guys have One used pass. password managers. I really enjoy One Pass. I use it at work. That's what we use as our password management for work. And it works great for that because we can share internally. We can share passwords between each other just by going into one pass and saying, Hey, I need this password for this. I can copy the link, 
paste it to you in a, a Slack or in an email, and it then it forces you to click on it, and then you have to log in to view the password. We're not allowed to email or text or write down and pass it via sticky note passwords. Right. right? It's a big it's a big deal for us. Um, so one password's been great. After that, I got my own, which I use, and migrated all of our passwords from a password protected Google Sheet. Right. To oh, one pass. Now, why why are you so against that, Justin? I mean, mine is a, it's a password protected sheet as well that has it's a graph, and I've got them all down there. But it, you're against anybody writing down a password in the computer and securing it. Yes. Why? For one. If somebody gets a hold of that password for that spreadsheet, they have full access to your password. But isn't now, that the same know, theory, on, though, as on, a password manager? No, no. no, it's not. Because a password manager not only requires, if you're trying to access it from a different password or from a different computer, it also requires you to have the 24-character seed phrase. Right as well as the master password in order to just unlock the vault. So it's not like somebody can just get your master password and access your vault from their computer. They would have to do it from your computer. They would have to be screen sharing your computer to theirs mm -hmm. and access your vault with just your password. All right. If they try to install that and say, oh, I know his email address and I know his master password. That doesn't matter. You still, when you're trying to activate a new computer, you have to have that 24 word seed phrase. And so that's what makes it All different right. than a, in a spreadsheet. Okay. So it, right. it's give you, gives you that extra layer of security. So somebody, somebody could get your master password, right? But it's not going to do them yeah. any good unless they have physical nope. access to the machine you've already, or like if you've registered it on a specific machine, right? So. Now, how many machines, like, say, with one pass, can you register it with? So if you've got a laptop. Uh, I, would I would have to look. I unlimited. Yeah, it's unlimited. So you have a you have a laptop. You have a, a computer at your desk. You have a computer maybe in your bedroom. Your or, phone. Yeah. Your iOS app. All right. So there you'd Android be able to use app. that. Now, is, it, is using one pass, is it very expensive? No, I think it's like 60 no. bucks a year. Oh, that's, that's not, not that bad. much. Is that the one you use too, Justin? Is that the one yeah. you like? You yep, recommend that. Now, I also want to recommend something. Though this is more for businesses. Now, I mentioned, you know, Sean mentioned that they use one password for work. What I use in my previous position, and now I've incorporated it into my new position, is a program called Thycotic. All right. And Thycotic is a virtual machine that can run in your ecosphere, and it is a secure repository for passwords. And it can actually use radius authentication to get into it. So you have to log in with your actual uh, Microsoft account. So when you log in, it puts an entry, you know, into the log that says, right. you know, Andy Taylor logged in at this time. And then once you're in Psychotic, whenever you click on a password to look at it, it's going to create another log entry that says, at this time, Andy Taylor looked at this password oh at this time andy taylor copied this password so it gives you that trail of of uh, an audit trail so you can monitor so okay we know that the firewall password was compromised let's look back at psychotic and try to figure out who might have done that oh at this time andy logged in 
And right after that is when the password got compromised. Right. So let's go talk to Andy. Okay. Um, so, you know, so that's on the top on the topic of cybersecurity, right? I'm I actually had thwarted a potential breach of my one of my accounts. Oh wow. I had I had dual I have dual authentication on almost everything, right? Especially my Microsoft account. So I got an email saying that somebody was trying to migrate my Mojang account, which is for Minecraft. I got an email. It said, hey, here's your active, here's, you're trying to change your password, here's your code. And I was like, that's that's weird. Well, then I got an email saying somebody was trying to log into my Microsoft account. And it was like asking for the two-factor authentication for that. And I was like, well, that's even stranger. It's a well, sinking, started, it's a sinking feeling you get, right? Oh, yeah, but yeah. then I started yeah. getting, getting then I got a couple unrecognized phone calls that I picked up just because I, I enjoy trying to screw with scammers when they call me. And it was this is the activation code for your Mojang account. And it read me a number. So somebody was trying all of the different ways to get into my somebody was trying to either get into my whatever, my Minecraft account or my Microsoft account. So of course I went in and changed all my passwords, but had I not had dual authentication, they might have been easily able to get in to either both my my Microsoft account or my Mojang account for Minecraft. Wow! So wow! I think um, dual authentication is is a kind of a pain sometimes, but it really can come in handy, especially when you start getting notifications like, "Hey, you're trying to log in here," and then it'll tell you. More specifically, it'll usually trace the the origin, saying like. Hey, it's trying to log in from this IP in Boston, Massachusetts, or wherever, right? So, usually hmm. I can say, "Well, it's not Caitlin trying to log in, right?" But uh, so I just I'm a big proponent of uh, dual authentication. Now, is that um, the same as two FA, two factor, basically, where you, you no, will the, get a two, notification? Two factor dual yeah. authenticate is the same thing. Yeah, two, it's just you know saying six one way, half dozen the other. So now I bought recently a company called Yubico, uh, a YubiKey, and it's a USB C. Plugs it, and the only USB C thing I have really is 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 my laptop, but it plugs into there. I still haven't figured out how to set it up yet. So I mean, that's you're talking about a hardware authentication. Hardware hardware authentication, right? Yeah. So most more more often than not, most two factor stuff is software based or uh, app based, right? But yeah. hardware identifiers or uh, two factors are, you know, it re, it cycles through keys or randomly generates them, and you have to have the physical device on you when you log in. Yeah. Yeah, it's setting it up is a little difficult. It's also NFC, which is is pretty nice. But um, that's that's hopefully in the next couple of weeks to be able to get that going and figure out just how deep I can go with that. But I have been thinking, okay, password manager time. It was either go with semantic, but everybody's saying one pass is really a good way to go. Yeah, a lot better I than LastPass, right? Yeah, LastPass. See, the thing is, is LastPass is a good product if you're brand new to LastPass. I would say it's a pretty good product. However, a lot of us have used LastPass for years and it's always been free. And then for them to come along and say, all right, now that we've got you hooked on our product, now we're going to start charging you. And if you don't pay, you're going to lose all your passwords. That's kind of what happened to a lot of people. That's basically what happened. And a lot of people said, nah, we're not going to do that. And they left LastPass. All right, we got to take a quick break. Got some new toys, and I have uh, I have a question for you guys. Trying to see about some advice of what I should do in one of these situations. One gets returned, one gets kept. 
I just figure out which one. Just stay married, dude. Just stay married. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with that. Gloria will be happy to know that. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. Hi, this is Christopher Walken, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio. I just think they talk kind of strange. It's going to be wild. Not as crazy as this show. Come on. Right before the break, we were talking about security, right? And we talked about password management, and we talked about two-factor and dual-factor authentication. But one thing we didn't touch base was with social engineering. Now, that might might confuse people, right? Social engineering, what is that, right? And that's me learning things about you to try and deduce your information, to deduce your your passwords. Is that kind of like those... is that kind of like the the old hacks we used to see on Facebook that would uh, post questions in a survey, street you lived on, oh, first yeah, totally. car, that whole Absolutely. bit? Is that kind and of an early of version what, of that? Yeah, right. So think of it. Think about that, right? So you took these surveys on Facebook that said, hey, what street you live on? What was your first pet's name? What was the name of the your best man in your wedding, right? Now look at the questions that are on your bank's website for your security questions. They're yep. identical. Yeah. All that information is out there. There is a concept called penetration testing, meaning a company will hire somebody to try and break into their system via any means. That can include social engineering. So this company hired a guy to do penetration testing, and his go-to was Krispy Kreme donuts. He went and got huh. a box, a stack of boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts, and kind of obscured his face with the boxes and followed a couple other employees in saying, hey, can you guys point me to the break room? I got donuts for, you know, for the break room and worked his way in. And once he was in, set the, set the donuts down and took his laptop, which he had concealed which, in the one way, of the boxes. There was no donuts. There were no donuts. It was a, it was a ruse. That's the biggest part of the crime. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he he finds a, a, a corner, plugs into an Ethernet jack with his computer and gets in. And he's in their network. To, he was able to get an IP address. He was able to scan their network. He was able to get in. He was able to see things. And he did a little more probing. And the comment was, it's crazy because so many people will say, well, there's no way you should have been able to just plug in. Yeah. Yet here he was, plugged in and just being the Krispy Kreme donut guy. Did you guys and ever? No, did, nobody stopped him. Nobody said anything. He just was in. Did you guys ever yep. see the movie Sneakers? Uh, it's a movie that came out back, I want to say... I know about it. The the late 90s. Um, it starred Robert Redford and uh, James Earl Jones, uh, River Phoenix. It had a great cast in it. And Ben Kingsley. And that's basically what it's about. It's about using social engineering and about hacking and sneakers, the whole bit. And if you guys ever get a chance to see that movie, please watch it and let me know what you guys think about it. Because it's mm. that's what it's that's what the entire movie is Have all about. Ever- have you ever heard of a show called Mr. Robot? Yes, that, that's what it was about too. Yep, exactly. Yeah. All right, I've got a I've got a little dilemma to ask you about. Oh. So I decided. You, you remember I ordered a uh, Samsung, uh, the Samsung Odyssey G9. It was a, a 49 inch ultra wide, and we got one in, and we had some some issues with it. So we sent it back. Or actually, I I took it back. And then uh, they told me you can go pick another one up at one of their other stores. So I go there, I come home, I get to carry this huge 49-inch monitor home. I hook it up, I put it on my desk, I pull off the uh, the the cover of the monitor, power it up, and right there in the middle of the screen, it was just a burnt image. It was like 
oh, something no. had completely been destroyed about the, with that monitor. So I ended up taking it back, and I said, "It's it. I'm cutting my losses. I'm I'm not going to get another forty nine. You have had poor luck with monitors. I have. I really have. So I finally decided I wanted to do a segment, and uh, I was in uh, Costco, and they had an LG thirty five inch monitor in there with a eighteen uh, hundred R curve, and I thought, well, that's kind of sweet. It's got a nice little curve to it." 35 inches, a little smaller than 49. When I put the 49 on the desk, it took up the whole desk. So mm-hmm. I went ahead and I bought it. Now, this is a 3440 by 1440, so I didn't go 1080. Uh, it's 100 hertz, and it has a, um, I want to say a five millisecond refresh or five millisecond time timing on it. Let and see, yeah. I was able to pick it up for, I when I was in the store, I went on to Amazon and I looked, and they were going for almost six hundred bucks, and I got it for four forty-five. Oh, and I, well, that's that's pretty good. I like it because the monitor. If you saw the video I showed on um, Fox Eleven, you can lift it up and raise it down, and it goes up quite a bit. So you can get that right look to it. It has got a little tilt to it as well. Screen colors are looking great. The only thing I don't like is a little joystick that is underneath it. It doesn't have USB-C, which is fine. It has, uh, of course, a you know two HDMI ports, USB 3.1, and it has a display port, which is what I'm using. So I, I thought, oh, this is good. I've been happy with it. So the other day, I'm on uh, Amazon, and I find a Dell 34-inch, 3440 by 1440, but with uh, 144 hertz refresh and a one millisecond timing on it. And I'm, th- and it was $360. So I went, I, I, I told Gloria, I said, well, maybe I can get it. And then, uh, maybe if, if I don't like it, I could send it back. So I got it. I just got it the other day. Now here's the deal with Costco. I could take that back if I wanted to for $440, yeah. but I like the look. I like the raising, uh, and the lowering of it. This Dell, which I haven't opened yet because I was reading with the Dell monitors, you could send them back, no problem, if you don't take them out of the box, right? If you do, you may have to pay a restocking fee. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, okay, does 100 hertz versus 144 hertz really make that much of a difference? I mean, that much of a difference if I'm only running a 1060 graphics card? That's a tough question. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I, if the, you're the only running a card... Is... Yeah, I'm not running a 2080 or a 3080 or... My, my, my gut instinct would be to say that if you're running a card that's not even capable... If I was playing games, you know, that's where you look at that, you know, 100 hertz versus 144 hertz. If you're getting 1440 at 100, then what do you mean? What's, what's the... So I'm, I'm wondering, do I send back the, the LG, which I kind of like the design, and just go with this Dell because it's 144 hertz and one millisecond timing? Is it going to matter well, that much? Well, okay, so you're not much of a gamer. No. So the the latency is not going to be that much of a deal to you. Right. Is the LG cheaper than the Dell? No, the LG was more expensive. So by taking oh. the LG back, I get like an extra $60 in my pocket. But it's not it's not one of those things. I that... would say, yeah, do that. You would say keep the Dell and take the LG back? Yeah. Okay. I was but, just thinking performance-wise. What did you get out of the LG? It looks good. Did, did you did you run like a benchmark on it to figure out no. how many frames per second or no? Is so there you a... need to use? Oh yeah, three D mark. Three D mark. Three D mark. Okay. Yeah. Do a performance test on three D mark. Figure out what your benchmarks are with 
both the LG and the Dell. And then I think that'll give you a better idea. But honestly, if you're not a hardcore gamer, if you're not needing the, the best frame rate with the best resolution, you know, in your situation, I think the Dell would be just fine. Keep the extra money. Yeah. For the, uh, for the business person, I have to keep that extra money because I bought something. I'm going to show oh, you guys now thing? what I bought. And oh I bought my first go. one. I didn't get it for Christmas. I didn't get it for my birthday. So Me I are. said, that's it. I got to get it myself. I got myself the DJI yeah, Mini 3 Pro. All right, Sean, you're better up. Yeah. Now, I know Sean is a lover of drones. Uh, no, and- that that's perfect. Like, the, for... For you, for what you're gonna to want to get with that, that's yeah. perfect. And the I, minis, the minis are are fantastic, right? So, uh, DJI really made, you know, they really, really took the market by storm when they released the Mavic originally, right? The Mavic. Yeah. But before they released the Mavic, they actually released another one called the Spark, which was a fixed wing, so you couldn't fold it, right? Right. So it was actually bigger than that one is folded up. What about the Phantom? Um, well, the so the Phantom was huge, right? The Spark yeah. was only probably, you know, four or five oh, inches across. Oh, I right? see. You're saying a the, mini drone, the, but it was fixed wing. Yeah, they they yeah they made a a mini drone called the Spark, which they don't make anymore uh, because it, it just didn't sell well. It sold okay, but it was m- more money than what people were interested in selling, and it wasn't stabilized. It didn't have a gimbal, right? All that so then they released the Mavic, which sold is immensely well because of the portability. You could pack it up, put it in your backpack. It was it was you could take it with you on your carry on. It would made made sense. Then they started releasing, you know, then they then they had the Mavic Air and the Mavic, you know, the Mavic Two. And then now they're under the the Mavic Three, which has a cinema version and a, a HD version and a 4K version and a. And now they have the Mini, which for Andy is perfect. Does 60 frames per second 4K. It does the vertical aspect video. So if I want to start using it for for TikTok or vertical stuff like that, I can use it for that. 34 minutes flight time with this battery that's a part of it. But I I went ahead and got the RC version. So there's two. You can get this version and one that does not have the RC uh, with the screen. This has. Here's what I'm going to say about this: the one with the RC. If you're going, if you're traveling, get the one with the RC. Because what happens if you forget to download the app and you get to where you're going yep. and you're yep. on, you're out, you're on this seven mile hike out in the middle of nowhere and you're planning this beautiful shot where you're going to propose to your girlfriend and you got the drone. Egg, you pick up the drone. You're well, ready to go. You don't. You don't have the app installed. I'm pretty sure if you're going to do something that crazy, you'd probably have the app downloaded. But I get your point. Yeah. The screen but itself, you don't think about let, me, it, right? let me tell you about this, is a, a five and a half inch screen, does 1080p on the screen. And I can't tell Beautiful. you enough how easy this is to fly. I, I got it charged up, took about an hour, hour and a half, to, took it out of the box. The documentation is the worst, though. I will tell you that. Same with that LG monitor. The documentation is beginning, because they want you to go to the web. But I got the update. The update took a bit of a while. And honestly, I... I, I Went through the setup and I pushed a button and it just went up three feet and hovered. Yep. And then it has a home button so you can hit yep. home and it it actually landed. And then yep. uh, apparently when you're flying, if you get to a certain part and it's going to run out of battery before it could make it back home, yep. it will automatically return to home. Yep. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. 
I've not been able to fly it outdoors yet. I've only flown it indoors, you know, kind of just testing it out and, and just her, but I can't believe the shot that much I got to the much to the chagrin of Gloria, right? Well, no, she loved it. I mean, she's, she's really liking all it. All that but, airflow blowing all the dust around though. No, it's doesn't do that, but it was cool oh, because mine did to have, well, you had the huge drone. This is really small. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. But to have it go, you can move it very easily sideways and the camera can lock onto a fixed area. So it's almost doing a dolly shot uh, that you yep. would see in a movie. I mean, I'm really impressed with it. it. They're pricey, 909 bucks for this guy. But again, my first drone, and it should be a lot of fun. Tell you right away. Yeah. Okay. You got you to gotta, gotta register it. Register it, yeah. Got to register it. So it's super easy. FAADroneZone.com. I know that sounds ridiculous. Right. FAADroneZone.com. Just go there. It'll step-by-step -step walk you through how to register it. You'll get an FAA number. You'll get an account. It'll guide you on where you can and can't fly. It is, it's just a super basic rundown of the rules and regulations on what you can do. And my my best advice to you, and this is what, when I went through the training back in 2011, no, 2000, 2013, I went through all the training because it was super hard to get your license. I actually had to go take like pilot training and like all this stuff. It was crazy. The guy at the airport in Grand Rapids, Michigan, the FAA guy who dealt with all the drone stuff, his biggest advice to me was don't be an idiot. There you go. Yeah. If you're doing if you're doing something stupid with a drone, you're flying over people, you're doing you're flying where you know you're not supposed to be, you're gonna get in trouble. Yeah. But if you're just out and you're flying in your backyard and you're up 20, 30 feet, you're not doing anything stupid, you're gonna be fine. Yeah. I just wanna have fun with it. Maybe get some good good looking but video. Let me ask you though, is it still that hard to get your part? You know, your F, what is it, part seven, whatever license so, they call it? So it? it used to be the part 333, then it kind of morphed into the part 107, and oh, 107. now it's all part of called the the LANC, which is uh, L-A-A-N-C, low altitude air or something. You can sign up for that. You go through the steps. It's You still have to take a test. You still have to get registered. You still have to just. But you don't it. have to basically be a private pilot to fly one of these. Correct. I don't have to go and take a test at the airport with somebody watching me and then to get a stamp on it and to get it notarized and all this, it was crazy. Right. So no, they've made it very easy and it's automated. Right. So now all I have to do, Andy, if you wanted to use it for tech talk or you want yeah. to use it for your radio, you can get automatic automated requests saying you go in, pick where you want to fly. You fill out all your information, when you're going to fly, how long you're going to fly height, all that stuff. And it'll automatically say, no, can't fly here today due to this. Okay. All or right. it'll say, yeah, you're you're registered to fly there, and it gives you a, a time. So then you, you can print that out and take it with you or have it on the phone, and you go to that spot and you fly. Very so cool. They've made it very easy for people who are making money by flying drones to do this type of thing, where when I first started back in, you know, nine years ago almost, right, it was very difficult, and nobody really knew what the rules were and where you could fly and where you couldn't fly, and mm, it caused, a yeah. lot of, caused quite a bit of chaos, right? So. Um, but that's why uh, I stopped doing it. What's uh, now? What's the website address again? There's two I'm going to give you. So right. FAADroneZone.com. All right. From there, you can find the other the other websites with the link L double A N C. Excellent. Um, and that and that'll give you um, the kind of the rules on what you need to do, and it kind of gives you a timeline of what it takes to get to where you can actually use it for commercial use. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We come back. Games. Justin is uh, getting more fun with his games. There's a couple of new ones that have been out, and one of them 
lets you kind of mess around and play around with the characters in it. Uh, we'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin. Let me find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash tech talkers. We'll be right back. Now, back to Tech Talk Radio. I have been playing again. I'm getting back into it. It's called Star Citizen. All right. Sean, you have Star Citizen, right? I believe I have the Founders Edition. I don't. I'd have to I'd have to go honestly log in and see if I, I haven't logged into it. When you and I got into it back in 2011. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we both bought the Founders Edition. I'd have to log back in and, and figure it out. This is a game that has been out for a long time. It was actually 2014. 14, technically still an alpha, and it's going on almost 10 years right. of it being an alpha. Now, granted, the very beginning, you couldn't do anything. Now, this is a space simulator. In the very, very beginning, you couldn't even fly ships. You could buy a ship and then go into the hangar and walk around it and look at it, but you couldn't even get in your own ship. That's how basic it was at that time. But a lot has happened in the past eight years. Now, Star Citizen... Although it still has a lot of bugs, it has become a very, very playable game. And again, just even two years ago, if you would have asked me the same question, I would have said, nope, not at all. It's not a playable game. Don't even worry about it. It's it's starting to get better. Now, this is not one of those No Man's Sky type of things where a developer was making a game and the publisher said, you got to release it right now. And the developer says, it's not ready. And the publisher says, we don't care, release it. It's not one of those situations. This is being funded and developed by Chris Roberts. He is the founder of Roberts Space Industries, which has in the past released legendary games such as Wing Commander and Privateer. I remember Wing these, Commander. These are games that went back to the 386 days. Oh, yeah. They spawned a movie off that. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yep. And I, I played Wing Commander. I played Privateer. I loved it. It was amazing. So just to hear that Chris Roberts was behind this, I'm like, I'm all in. And I spent $100 on the game. To, no, actually, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. I spent $70 on the game. To yeah, buy, I think it was like you could buy a couple different tiers of things, right? Basically, what ship do you want to buy to get into the game? Because technically, the game is free, but you can't do anything without a ship. So you got to kind of have to buy a ship to, to start with so that's where that's where it becomes like okay i have to buy the ship so i bought a 70 dollars ship and recently i got back into the game i'm like wow this has gotten a lot better it's cool but i don't like my ship so i found a way you can actually return the ship i can return it get store credit and then buy another ship and i'm like okay let's do that so i returned the ship i got 65 dollars of store credit so basically they took five dollars away from me for the usage of the previous ship, right? I went online, I looked at their website and I found another ship that was worth $120, real, real money. Well, I'm like, well, well heck, I've already got 65 bucks, bucks in store credit. I can do this. I can spend another $65 or whatever, right? So I go to purchase it, hit the checkout button, purchase complete. I look at my Venmo because that's where I purchased it from my Venmo account. It says, you've been charged $120. I'm like, wait, what, what, what? what? <laughs> oh. Uh oh, I go to look at it. I forgot to use the store credit. Uh-oh. So, so immediately I reached out to the help guys. I'm like, hey, I opened up a help desk ticket. I'm like, hey, can you just go ahead and refund this? And then I'll repurchase it again with the store credit. They got back to me the next day and said, I'm sorry, sir. At this point, all purchases are final. Oof. Ooh. Ouch. So I just dropped $120 on a ship. Awesome. So what did I do with that other $65 in my store credit account? Well, I bought another ship. <laughs> <laughs> now you got two. It's perfect. Now I've got two ships. I've got an attack ship slash cargo 
and I've got an what I can refer to as an RV in space. Nice. In a space RV. Not space balls. Yeah, I was thinking okay, of the not, Winnebago not, from space balls. No, this is much nicer. This is like the luxury Winnebago or the luxury, uh, what do you call it? What are those silver-sided ones that everybody, Airstream. The Airstreams? Yeah. Yeah, 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 Airstream. It's like one of those, but it's it's literally just an RV in space. It's got a coffee maker, a stove, two beds, and it's a spaceship. All right. That's all I'm gonna start calling you. I'm going to start calling you Lone Star. Yeah, let's There you it. go, Lone Star, right? So I got back into it. I'm playing it, but I'll tell you, honestly, I have spent more time just getting my joystick ready. And honestly, the joystick, take a look at our, our webcast or videocast right. here, because I'm going to show this. This is my throttle oh, quadrant, right. right? You got all these little buttons on here, hat switches, dials, buttons, turn knobs, things like that. You have to memorize every single thing, what those do. I was sitting here trying to figure out which one was my landing gear <laughs> and I'm hitting these hat switches and I hit the one for self-destruct. Oh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> yep. Oops. Yep. 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 Boom. It hit self-destruct. Boom. Blew up in the sky. So instead of using these, I unbound all of my keys yeah. from the hat switches. All right. Right. No more hat switches. Instead, what I've done is I've used, I'm using my stream deck. Oh, so, hey, that's kind of cool. So the stream deck is that uh, 15 key hotkey system that I talked about where I got for my trivia night. A lot of streamers, almost every streamer online uses one of these to we, throw up we graphics. Use them for the, we use them for control. I work yeah. with you. Yeah, you can change cameras. You can use them to do effects. You can do all kinds of stuff. It's basically just an added 15 key hotkey system to your computer. I downloaded a profile that's made for Star Citizen. Now it's a little bit hard to see this in this, but if I wanted to go to power mode, now here's my button right here for powering up all my systems. If I go back home, okay. go to weapons. There's my weapon systems, all my buttons for weapon systems. Go back home, I got my targeting systems right here. Oh, actually, this is emergency. So it's easier There's to my self-destruct. Right easier there. to bind with the stream deck than it was the uh, throttle joystick well, controller. Yes, because all these buttons are LED backlit and they have labels on them. Right. So I know what button I'm pressing. If I want to go to lower my gear, I know that I can press this button right here and then press this button right here for my gear. If I want to take off automatically, boom, I hit that button right there. Because everything is labeled. Dream Deck is amazing. So I'm going to blow your mind on the Stream Deck, right? Okay. There's a program you can get called the Stream. It's called BitFocus Companion. Andy, you're going to get this too, because I'm going to walk you through how to set it up to control your ATEM. It is a software that you install on your computer, and it emulates Stream Deck. You don't need a Stream Deck. Now, you can use the Stream Deck with this, but then you can pair it with other all sorts of all sorts of hardware, other hardware devices that you can control from your web browser. And as long as you have a device connected huh. to your local local LAN, you can set it up on an iPad, you can set it up on a tablet, you can set it up on a phone and control just like a Stream Deck all from this BitFocus Companion. Now, where do you get this from? Just Google BitFocus Companion. It's so bitfocus.fr or something. It's a French does website. Does this... Does this cost money to use the BitFocus? Zero dollars. I like that price. Really? But how, so okay, so you, you can, put it on a, like can, an iPad, how do you connect it to your computer? You have a application running on your computer that Yes, there's an the application running land. on your computer. The, the application runs. You configure it using a GUI. Uh, uh, it pops up in a web browser. I use it to control our switchers at work. I use it to do control PTZ cameras at work. I use it to 
control and fire graphics from our expressions at work. Andy, you had mentioned a couple couple weeks ago, like, oh, I, I want to use the ATEM more, but it's a pain to run graphics and stuff. I don't have it set up, but I, I meant to before we started. I could hit the button and it would pop up a graphic over top of me. Nice. Very because cool. Because I, I tell it, I tell it, you, you have to connect it to my ATEM, and I did that already. And I'll do it in the break, and I'll show you. But All right. Bitfocus Bit Companion. Get it. It's going to blow your mind. And it's just, it is a game changer for my industry. And I've learned so much about it over the last couple of weeks. Justin, you just recently migrated to AMD. You yeah. haven't got yourself a graphics card yet, a Radeon yet. You're you're looking at no, that, right? I'm, no, I'm still sticking with the NVIDIA uh, RTX 2080. All right. TI. Earlier this week, a couple new games, uh, since we're on that subject, have been announced. Uh, there's one called Death Stranding. Which originally came oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a PS4 game back in 2019. Won a ton of awards and even stars Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead as one of the characters yep. in the game. Right? Yep. Lindsay Wagner. Remember her as a bionic woman? You guys might be too young for that. Uh, she's one of the voices in the game as well. That came out for the PC Game Pass. So what? From what I understand, they're now porting PlayStation games for PC users to enjoy. Is that what PC Game Pass is? So you're talking about the Microsoft Game Pass? Yes. Yes. You can certain games that are were available for Xbox. You can put on your PC, or you can stream your Xbox games from your PC. I didn't think well, Death Stranding was an Xbox title, though. I thought it was no, just strictly PS4. Uh, PS4, PS5, but Microsoft has now gained the rights to certain games. Ah, and okay. There's this whole thing going on. Speaking speaking of PlayStation with Xbox, and we don't need to get too far into it, but there is there is something going on with with PlayStation. Apparently. I saw a news article that Sony was actually paying developers extra money on the side to prevent them from releasing the game on Xbox. So they were paying them for that. But now Microsoft has said, you know, we, we've got some other tricks up our sleeve, but they're, they're bringing, they're bringing some games, uh, PlayStation exclusives back to Microsoft now, which is cool. I like that. So PC game pass, you'd be able to do that. Saints row. Uh, that's a game I've heard of before. That's also being talked about this week, right? Yes. But before you talk about that, I do need to mention one thing. There is a difference between PC Game Pass and Xbox Game Pass. All right. right. What now, is that? Even if you get the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, doesn't mean you can put all of your Xbox games on your PC. You can play some of those games. Yes, your PC may come with an Xbox app, but it doesn't get to play all of the Xbox games. However, if you have an Xbox and you have the games on the Xbox, like Sean said, you can stream your Xbox games to your PC and play them on the PC. But if you want them locally installed on your PC, there's a whole different catalog of games that you can buy. All right. The other game uh, that was announced was uh, Spider-Man Remastered. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves everybody loves the Spider-Man games. They're, they, <sighs> I have not personally played any of them. Oh, my gosh. They're so I have, good. I have a co-worker that swears up and down by the Spider-Man games. It's, it's crazy because... so. The, the original Spider-Man, the new, the latest one or whatever that came out for the P PlayStation uh, came out right around the time that my family went to New York City. And we walked around Manhattan. We walked around to different parks and things like that. In the game, in the actual Spider-Man game, I could actually go and visit those parks. It was real. I could actually see those parks that is in cool. the game. Right. It was a real rendition of, of Manhattan. Um, so it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really good game. This Absolutely one is available on steam and the Epic game store. And it has some mods in there where you can actually play a Stan Lee, 
which is uh, it's kind of cool because they have a video up on YouTube. If you do a search for Stan Lee with animation, Spider-Man mod, you'll be able to check out the video there. And it's like, you're watching it and the graphics are so good in these games now. It looked like Stan Lee was standing right in front of you. Stan Lee as Spider-Man. I mean, that's really, really cool. (laughs) Yeah, it is. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We'll come back. Uh, Website of the week. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. I'm Eric Remy. Find us at techtalkradio.com. Damn, he's getting it down. (laughs) That's good. We'll be right back. Now that's just too cute. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. And we have our website of the week. Of course, Justin has got another great website for us to check out. I, I think we mentioned this years ago, but uh, you know, more and more people are cutting the cord, and they're trying to get rid of their streaming services as well, and going back to what could possibly just you know simply be over the air. Right. So if you're interested in doing that, and you're not quite sure where your stations come from where where do i want to point my antenna if i have an antenna uh one good website for that is rabbitears.info so rabbit ears you know the old rabbit ear yeah. antennas that we used to have yeah so rabbitears.info you can look up your local listings um and then you can actually find uh, a map of where the signal comes from so you can go ahead and point your antenna that you know particular direction but you can also use, there's a lot of extra stuff on here. There's also a whole listing of ATSC 3.0 stations. So you can know what stations in what areas support ATSC 3, which is the new format for, um, for uh, TV over the air. Now, I'm wondering, so again, do, you, do you know of, do you know of uh, and I don't know if they have this on the site, of an over-the-air DVR? Is there such a thing? Because I was thinking about cutting the cord, and I thought, well, if I cut the cord... Well, Plex. Plex does it. Does it do over the air? Yeah, well, you have to have an HD home run. Okay. So, it's HD home run is a little box that you buy. Uh, you plug your antenna into it, and then it plugs into the internet, and it downloads the TV guide, and then you connect your Plex service to the HD home run. So, the Plex will tell... HD home run. Hey, at this time on this day, tune to channel 7.1 or whatever your channel is and record this show. Nice. And then it loads it into your Plex library. Very cool. And of what format? Uh, MP4? Uh, I think it's MP4. Yeah, MP4. But it, it's it's good. I mean, it's it's nearly as, just as good as over the air would be. So HD home run is a product. It costs about $100. And then you get an over-the-air antenna, you plug it into the HD home run, and then you plug your HD home run into your network, and then you connect your Plex service, your Plex server, right. which you're going to have to have either your local PC or you have a, a, a network area storage like I have, the uh, the, Synology, the Synology NAS. Right. You connect that to the Plex and then the Plex will record those shows for you. All right, we're out of time, but uh, that website address again is rabbitears.info. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Of course, uh, hopefully by next week, I haven't destroyed my drone, but I'm going to use Sean's (laughs) tips that he gave us earlier. We'll have those on the website as well. Thank you, Sean. We'll be back with more of the Tech Talk Radio next week. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin. Let me have yourselves a great week. Hit us up on the web, techtalkradio.com. See you.